0: This coverage of Legal Week brought to you by Legal Talk Network, with many great podcasts to make your next commute or workout informative and educational. To improve your practice and stay in the know, visit us at LegalTalkNetwork.com. And now,
1: on to the show.
2: Welcome to On the Road with Legal Talk Network. I'm Dan Linna, and I'm here with Ralph Baxter, and it's our pleasure to be here with you. Today we are recording from Legal Week 2020 in New York City. And joining us are Cynthia Brown, Director of Research Services at Littler Mendelssohn, Michelle Dewey, Manager of Legal Research Services at Baker Hosteller, and Jennifer Mendez, Director of Knowledge Management Firm Solutions at Ogletree Deacons. Thank you for being here with us.
3: Thank, Thank you for you. having us.
2: Well, so Ralph and I just attended an outstanding panel that you all put together on robotic process automation, the next step in legal automation. So tell us about what the the ground you covered in, in your panel.
1: Sure, we'd be happy to. When we created the idea for the panel about nine months ago, we wanted to think of something um, really new and cutting edge that was coming specifically to research and how to implement technology and research together. And so that's how we got to automation. Um, and it's something we've been discussing in our firm a great deal. Um, how are we going to get more work done with the same amount of people that we have now. And so uh, I was very happy to have both Michelle and Jennifer join me. Um, And we discussed automation and how it can fit into research and take away those tedious tasks that people are so tired of doing um, and so our tagline is let the robots do the boring work and so we had a discussion about how do you pick the best um tasks for automation and is everything right for automation and how can you get people to buy into this idea um and so that was um my portion of the presentation convinced everyone that it is a good idea if you have the right uh project um and then michelle went and uh talked about best practices
4: Uh, Yeah, so I talked mostly about sort of the process of how do you get started, um, thinking about who you need on your team, how you can project plan and scope out what you need to do, how to select vendors. I know vendor selection is a really important aspect, and a lot of people had some really good questions, I think, about how do you make those determinations about vendors and not necessarily just rely on the sales pitch. Uh, So we talked a lot about that and then uh, moved into Jennifer's component.
3: I like to think of it as the the fun stuff, which is the live demos of the things that we're actually doing (laughs) and what we've been able to accomplish. Oftentimes when you go to conferences, people talk a lot about what they're doing, but you never get to see it put into action. Uh, And so I think people appreciate being able to see real life examples.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the many things that impressed me so much is that you talked about a framework for actually how to do this work and talking about agile and, and, and creating a minimum viable product, kind of lean startup process. And yet you still save some time then to get into here's some actual examples and, and, and use cases. Uh, yeah, really right. And, and it
0: was a, a highly unusual session because you gave the audience a pragmatic roadmap from concept to execution and then feedback, and iteration, and improvement. You did it step by step by step. It was authentic and and expert, but it was expressed in language that anyone in that room, no matter how little background they have in technology, uh, could understand, and understand why you were doing it. And then the way you did the demonstrations, the, the examples, brought that all to life. It was, it was really outstanding. I want to say to our listeners, if you ever have a chance to hear any of these three women talk about this subject, you should sign up and go because they not only know what they're talking about, they can explain it.
4: Thank you. Well thank that is really
2: nice. Why don't you tell us a little bit more then about the the framework that you proposed that to go through the process kind of to to get started if, if you if you want to build up I mean, I think our, we um,
4: just started by it generally having conversations. Um, We did not know each other, actually, before we all got together to be on this panel. We were connected by a variety of other colleagues um, in the legal information world who suggested, I think, each other. I think Cynthia was the spearhead here with the idea. And then we all uh, came on board over time. So initially, we just had conversations about what are you doing in your job? What are you doing at your firm? And I think we just sort of extracted some of the common problems uh, challenges and also uh, solutions and needs and it feels kind of organic i think how we ended up putting it together
1: i know the first conversation i had with michelle i was frankly mesmerized because she's further down the road than we are it was like wow you've done that already that's great okay tell me how to get there um but it was it was great working with everybody and I really focus my portion um, of the presentation on how to get started, because that's where we are. And so when um, Ralph said we were authentic, I appreciate that. Um, I think it's important to just share your experience of, of where you've been and not try and say, well, we're going to be really great when this happens. No, I'm right here struggling, trying to get it kicked off the ground. Um, and so I can explain to you why we chose automation I can explain to you why I think it's a good idea I can tell you why my employees are thrilled and want it to happen Um, and I can tell you the difficulties of getting a project off the ground Um, and then Michelle and Jennifer have gone through different stages so I think that was so great the way the project worked
4: I think that's really funny because when Jennifer joined into our next call I felt that same way, where I was like, "Oh, they're much further along." So maybe that actually helped with that authenticity and ability to reach a lot of different people in the room. Is I do think we all are representing different aspects of kind of where we are um, and what our individual roles are. Like my firm is probably further along than maybe my my research space is.
0: Right, but in each of your cases, y- you all are. Fundamentally dealing with information research knowledge in your firms, connecting your lawyers to the information they need. You've curated enormous amounts of information. And now you are finding your way to take advantage of modern technology to make it easier for the lawyers to access the information you have you have created. There's a couple of things that I, I found particularly interesting, and I know that our listeners will. One of them was uh, your discussion um, about the vendors and how you choose them, because there's there are so many people who now want to come into the world of law and, and sell technology solutions. And not all of them are really ready to do that. And you, and you made a number of points, especially Can you talk about how important it is that the people who are going to serve you understand law as a business. Wasn't that your
4: Yeah, and and understand legal information and the uniqueness of the information, how it's organized, how it's used, business of law, right? It it runs to its own meter. (laughs) And I think all of us had different interactions throughout our various processes where I think that I call it a language barrier, right? The technologists have their technical language and the lawyers and information people have their legal information languages. And just making sure that you're navigating that space. Yeah, you shared
0: with the the audience the the phenomenon of having a conversation, thinking that you and the vendor were on the same page and it turned out you weren't because you were really speaking different languages. Is that a common experience, Jennifer?
3: Uh, I think so. I think when you're dealing with vendors in the technology space in particular, uh, they they sort of, there's a tendency to be distracted by the shiny new product. Uh, and oftentimes they, they will tell you about the SQL backend or um, all of the automation capabilities via tech jargon. Um, and I think we're all guilty of that and even in the legal space, right? We, we refer to our legal jargon and for, for both sides, it seems as if you're speaking a different language. And so I think meeting in the middle and you know, really having an honest conversation minus all of the legalese or, or the tech jargon will help you meet there, will get there. Uh,
0: right, and that, that brings me to one other thing I'd like to ask you about. In my experience, one of the greatest challenges in implementing technology in the world of law is getting the lawyers to use it, to achieving adoption. And I was really struck. I was struck by all the demonstrations, but I was really struck by Carlos because Carlos has a personality. So, Jennifer, could you sh- right? I mean, could you share with with our listeners you, what do you have named Carlos? Tell them how it looks and feels and what it does.
3: Sure. So uh, Flynn Flesher, who is our KM Council supervisor, is uh, the mastermind behind Carlos chatbot. Uh, And the idea behind Carlos with a K is that it it represents uh, knowledge and resource locator for Ogletree Systems. And the idea behind Carlos and the avatar, which looks exactly like Flynn Flesher, uh, was that it would have a personality and folks would relate to it, especially with the introduction of Siri and Alexa, who also have personalities uh, and are uh, easily recognized voices, we wanted to have that same experience within our firm with Carlos because it is familiar uh, and we understood that it would resonate with people.
0: So, so for example, how can the users chat with Carlos and, and, and experience his personality?
3: So, uh, the fun things about Carlos are, uh, I think, quite a few. First, it's that, again, there's a, an image there. There's a personality there. And part of that personality is when we built out the chatbot, we made sure that it would respond to pleasantries. Hi, how are you? Thank you. You're welcome, uh, et cetera. And so it recognizes even compliments. You're the best. No, you're the best. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite book? What's your favorite movie? Um, There there are many Star Trek references and Star Wars references, little nuggets that people have stumbled across in their interactions with Carlos, which is really a testament to how people want to interact with it. Uh, Even just this last week, someone posed the question to Carlos, what stadium do the Kansas City Chiefs play in? And to me, that was a great moment because it means that in their minds, Carlos is starting to replace Google. It's a question you would have just typed into Google in the past, and they think that Carlos can answer every question. And so I thought that was great.
0: So, so, just one last question on Carlos for our listeners. So, what are some of the law-related questions Carlos <laughs> answers?
3: <laughs> so, it does actually uh, provide a, a benefit to the firm beyond uh, some fun questions and answers. Uh, it, Carlos is able to direct you to resources. It is able to identify our subject matter experts in numerous areas. Uh, so, I think oftentimes, uh, I'm sure Cynthia has experienced this being at Littler, uh, folks think that you're labor and employment firm. And that's all you do. And they don't understand the complexity and and the breadth, the scope of what that means. And so, you know, the same folks that are doing traditional labor work are not the same folks that are doing uh, ADA work or wage an hour work. Etc. And so Carlos is able to identify the experts for you know your Federal Transit Act or uh, Service Contract Act or anything like that. Um, it will direct you to um, model documents uh, if you're looking for a white paper on the ADA, uh, anything like that. So uh, it it also redirects to our enterprise search tool. So again, it's something that we rolled out and we made available to all of our attorneys, but they aren't necessarily using it. Now with the ease that Carlos provides to interact with the chatbot, you can say, I need someone with experience in X, or I need a motion for summary judgment in this jurisdiction. And it will immediately take you to the relevant documents or the, the relevant list of people in our enterprise search tool.
2: One of the things I wanted to follow up on is, is when each of the examples that when you were presenting, there was a lot of really interesting information that came up about the, the unique things you did inside of your organizations and your own creativity to to bring these projects to life. But you all, you started with a foundation of talking about frameworks, right? And we hear all these co- complaints frequently about the lawyers. The lawyers don't adopt these tools we built. But you used uh, lean startup, agile project management, building out minimum viable products, right? These proven frameworks for innovation and product development. Can you just kind of tell us a little bit about the role of, of those proven tools? And So this is Jennifer
3: Yes. So one of the things that I think we were trying to avoid is to get too deep into Agile or Scrum or Lean, uh, because those are obviously proven um, tools to help you get to where you need to go with any given project. But we also understand that they're really complex and we're not going to be able to cover them in a 45 minute session. But what we wanted people to understand is that you can go in with a mindset of, not having to get to your final product as part of your initial development. Um, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Uh, and so essentially what we said is identify what your minimum viable product is. What is it that you want to be able to do on day one? And then you can iterate. You can you can talk about getting from, as, as um, Michelle said, from the scooter to the car later, but let's work on the scooter first. And so for us, it's really about reminding people that there are things that you can do and you can always iterate, you can always improve. And oftentimes when you roll out an MVP, the great thing about it is that you get valuable feedback early on. And so what you might have thought was going to be your product roadmap can change based on direct user feedback because you realize that something else that you hadn't considered is more important to them.
2: Well, I, I don't think in the history of mankind, there's been a project where your product roadmap didn't change, right? We, that's the whole exactly. point. You learn through this process.
1: Right. You know, at our firm, we, um, I think we're less deep in the weeds with um, the formal terms. And we like a new idea. We like to test it out on a small group, find out what was good and what was bad, and then expand that idea and then repeat. And nothing is rolled out firm-wide that hasn't gone through a a process like that where um, we've had a small group of users Test it with us first, give us feedback. And often that group of users is the library or our KM attorneys. Um, and we'll we'll keep it really in-house before we'll go to an attorney and say, all right, now we've got something that we think is going to f- fill this need for you and we want you to test it out. And it's going to go from that small group, then to an office, then to maybe a state, and then, then firm-wide. I think when we rolled out our chatbot, what was really <laughs> helpful
4: about rolling it out, even though it wasn't exactly... Um, The car, right? The final thing that we had envisioned at the beginning, but we ultimately decided, let's go ahead and and release it as the minimum viable product. We've hit that. We just hadn't thought about that from the outset. So uh, what was really helpful, though, when we did that is... There were so many data points we used to decide what would go in the chatbot. You know, we looked at questions that had historically come into our reference desk. We looked at aspects of the internet that we thought were valuable information or that the practice groups had identified as valuable information when that was being designed. But what we didn't actually have were bankruptcy attorneys telling us these really specific things we would never have thought of because we are not bankruptcy attorneys. And so I think the value of thinking about it and rolling it out earlier than you intended and rolling it out before it's perfect is we have a better sense of what perfect really is.
0: And as you said during the during the discussion, collaboration with all the people who have the knowledge you need to incorporate into what you do is important. So you need technology people, you need research, library people, you need the practitioners who are going to be the ultimate users, all of that. And if, and if, if they're not all weighing in, you can't get to something that will actually meet their needs, right?
1: I think a good point, though, is you need each of those parties to weigh in at the right time. Because if you have them all at the beginning, you're crippled and you're never going to get anywhere. You're just going to be frozen. Um, But you have to know when it's time to bring the next group of people in. So our project that we're working on is pulling complaints. And mostly it's been myself and one of my assistant librarians who's been working on the team with with the IT folks at this point. We're almost ready to start testing. And when we start testing, then I'm going to bring in an experienced librarian who has some technology skills. Once we know that it works, because I'm not then I'm Going to show it to an attorney. If I had an attorney look at this from the beginning, they would hate it because there's many things we're going to change until we get to the point where it's ready for them. So I think you have to think about when to bring people in.
0: Cynthia, that was one of the one of the facets of this session that, that was so impressive to me was what you just did. You, that's the voice of experience. This you, You're not doing this for the first time. You've learned over your career about what works. And so you know to do this in a certain sequence and so on and that came through throughout this uh, this panel i thought one other subject that you talked about was measuring how it's going measuring the the results can you talk somebody talk about uh, how how you do that because every every firm is going to care especially with technology tools well, what's the return on our investment what are we getting how is it working how is it making things better how are you how are you measuring that
4: Well, for us, because we're still not at a full rollout, I don't think we're at the stage yet where we're really looking at that big picture. What we're looking at is sort of micro successes, Uh, what's successful in how we're uh, utilizing it now and our test users and what is going to make it successful in the long run. That said... um, the format we're using, the Microsoft Q&A maker, allows us to see the question entry, allows us to do a lot on the back end with seeing what goes in to the chatbot. Uh, and I think each project, whether it's the chat bot or whether we're gonna be talking about other RPA functions in the future, each project is probably gonna have slightly different measurables. Um, but I think being able to monetize it is important to the stakeholders often. But I also think being able to Think about it in terms of time savings and continuity of information across your enterprise. I, I think you have to think about lots of metrics that aren't just maybe the traditional dollar signs,
0: right? And and I think for our listeners, as they think about it, and every, everyone who will be listening to this, almost by definition will have, be interested in these subjects. They have to think about just what you're saying there. What are the benefits that might accrue to the firm? And in addition to all of the the normal um, consequences of, of automating this information, You're, you are going to s- achieve information in the hands of people who otherwise would have worked without it because they wouldn't have gone through the conventional steps A- as you said, Cynthia, in the in the panel, sometimes because they, they need it at midnight and nobody's in the office at midnight. Uh, but, but there are other reasons that they just work without information that you've gone to all this trouble to curate and organize for them and now... They can call Carlos and get it.
3: (laughs) That's right. Or they can email Carlos, which I think was also important for us to do because, as we know, most of our attorneys are working out of their inbox uh, and they're on the road. And so, you know, not... They're not always in front of their computer or logged into the VPN with access to Carlos, which lives on our intranet. So it was important for us to give them an alternative uh, and email was a perfect one for us. So you can also email Carlos and it will send you the same response that you would have gotten had you typed your question into the chat bot.
2: Well, it looks like we've reached the end of the road for our episode. And I want to thank our guests, Cynthia Brown, Michelle Dewey, and Jennifer Mendez. But before we go, what is the best way for our listeners want to reach out and get in touch with you? Uh, anyone on Twitter or, or what might be the best way to, to contact you?
1: I'd be happy to answer emails at brown at uh,
3: You can email me as well at mdewey at bakerlaw.com. And I can be reached at jennifer.mendez with a Z at ogletree.com. Well,
2: great. Thank you again for joining us. It was a really great, great panel. I had a chance to tweet out some of the slides that, that, that you guys put out there. So, and thank you for joining us for this conversation. And to our listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Dan Lina And I'm Ralph Baxter. And until next time, thank you for listening.
0: Consult a lawyer.